people were tweeting that Larson got robbed, and I disagree. Larson did not get robbed. Stacking Denny's, the NASCAR Cup Series is off to Kansas Speedway this weekend for the uh, Hollywood Casino 400. Race number two of round eight of the playoffs. I'm Jordan McAbee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. My co-host, Rotodoc, a.k.a. Nick Giffen of Fantasy Labs. We're coming off a Texas race that Kyle Larson absolutely dominated pretty much as everyone expected. I know we had some guys that we thought could get up there and challenge him, but for the most part, Kyle Larson did what Kyle Larson does. He's locked into Phoenix. There's three spots remaining. Nick, what do you think of that Texas race? And did it change your mindset at all going into, we're now going into Kansas, which is another mile and a half low wear track. There were some surprises at Texas. We had Joe Gibbs racing, I think completely whiffed. They were not good as a whole at Texas. Do you think they will also be not as great at Kansas, we all expected them to pro- to be right there with Larson and Byron. They absolutely weren't. Hamlin kind of was. Truex was tenth place all day, and um, Kyle Busch kind of got worse as the day went on. On the other side, Penske Racing kind of came out of nowhere unexpectedly and looked at times that like they could challenge for the win. So, in addition to your thoughts on Texas, what do you think about? Kansas moving forward are we going to see similar happenings or should okay we're going to see a lot of people overreact to this especially fantasy players they're going to look at Penske being really good at Texas and they're going to say they're going to do the same thing at Kansas whereas all year it's been Joe Gibbs racing so should we focus more on all year or do you think that that Texas race is a sign for differences that are going to continue on into Kansas this weekend. Yeah. So I've got, I've got a pretty good opinion on this. Um, and that's because Texas is maybe the most different mile and a half of these air quote, low wear mile and a half. Uh, you know, so, so Charlotte, Las Vegas, Kansas, uh, and now Texas being the four low wear mile and a half we've been to this year. And that's because Texas is, extremely newly paved i mean it's only it was re, it was repaved for the 2017 season whereas the others were all 2012 or prior so they actually have fairly old surfaces um and they have more tire wear texas also really wide turn one and two um and you know f- flatten the banking there a little bit but higher banking in three and four so it's extremely different and i think uh you know i expected uh Obviously, Kyle Larson, William Byron to be great, and, and Hendrick overall to be pretty good. Um, but you're right. I was a little surprised by Penske, especially Brad Keselowski. Now, I did think Keselowski was going to be better than Logano, as we talked about on last week's episode, and he was. But Ryan Blaney posted you know, the third best average green flag speed uh, and looked, like you said, like he could contend for the win. And Keselowski was in the top five there as well as far as uh, average green speed. So uh, really good. But I think that's a Texas thing. We look at Kansas, we look at Las Vegas, uh, especially, which I think are pretty similar. This is going to be the rebound for Joe Gibbs Racing, and 
Penske hasn't been as strong, especially Logano and Keselowski at these two. Blaney still has. Blaney's been very strong all year at these lower wear mile and a half. And Atlanta, I mean, he won one of the Atlanta races. Uh, but, uh, you know, I still think Blaney will be strong. But I think Joe Gibbs Racing will rebound here and contend at Kansas Speedway. So you're right. I think fantasy players might overreact, uh, might discount somebody like a Martin Truex Jr. or, or discount you know, uh, a Kyle Busch or maybe even a Denny Hamlin uh, and, and put in more Brad Keselowski. That's an overreaction to me. Texas is the most different of these low wear mile and a half tracks. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit different. As far as the racing at Texas, I thought outside of restarts, it was terrible. You couldn't pass. There was there were long green flag stretches in that race. Obviously, at the end, we had caution after caution after caution. Uh but uh, all of the cautions happen on restarts. The old saying, cautions breed cautions. That kind of came true towards the end of the race there. And uh, multiple multiple wrecks because on these restarts, they're very close together. But like we always say on these mile and a half, after the restarts get sorted out, you know, if you can make it like three or five laps past a restart, it becomes single file. We did see one green flag pass for the lead, but it was in that first stage where a bunch of people took two tires and some people took four tires, and Kyle Larson took four tires. And after about 50 or 60 laps of green flag, overtook teammate William Byron, who didn't really give him much of a challenge there because they're teammates. It's early in the race. He's on two tires. Larson's on four. So people are celebrating that as a green flag pass for the lead. It doesn't really count. Come on, y'all. So it was pretty much just uh, a restart fest at the end there, and I thought it was a pretty bad race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned how off, or we both mentioned how off Joe Gibbs Racing was. When you look at the fastest laps from that race, Kyle Busch had 11 and Denny Hamlin had one. To put that into perspective, Kevin Harvick had 14. Kevin, That's the most Kevin Harvick's put up all year. I will say that Kevin Harvick looked very good at, at Texas. Um, but Joe Gibbs Racing definitely missed. It kind of remind me, reminded me of Atlanta earlier this year when... Um, Hendrick missed and maybe that happens I I'm very surprised that it happened in a playoff race but I'm completely with you I think Joe Gibbs Racing gets the rebound this week and I do think plenty of people are going to overreact and you know discount Joe Gibbs Racing when they shouldn't uh I think it's very clear that Kyle Larson and, and William Byron are to two best on this track when they don't have issues on this track type um, it's been apparent in the 550 package this year. It's been apparent at the low wear tracks. Byron hasn't been as successful getting the finishes, but what we saw at Texas was he was the second best car all day. He put up 57 fastest laps. If he doesn't have issues, if he doesn't have stupid pit strategy, he can contend for the win. You know, we talked about him last week, betting him at 18 to one to win and then hammering the top 10, top five, top three bets. Uh, I also bet him to win the group against him and like Keselowski and a few other people. Byron is a great play and and he remains a play this week, but a great play this week. But going off of, again, how people react, sportsbooks have now reacted to Byron. Byron's down to nine to one to win Kansas this week. I still think he can win, but do you see value there with with uh, with Byron at nine to one as opposed to, you know, getting him at 18, 15, 16 to one last week? No, uh, I, I don't think there's value there at nine to one for Byron. And that's not because 
he's not going to be good. A couple little nuances here. First of all, it's going to be a little bit different left side tire. The right side's going to be the same. And Byron's been great on these, this right side tire uh, all year, even including Kansas, uh, the first Kansas race. But uh, the issue here is the, um, you know, the, the tire combination that Byron excelled on was great for Las Vegas, Michigan, and Texas. A little bit different left side tire this time. Um, so that's a little bit of a, a change there. He's still going to be good. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you also just have the fact that again he didn't, you know, he didn't pressure. Let's, uh, you know, I mean, he did sort of, but not really pressure teammate Kyle Larson. Like once he kind of got behind him, I, I, I think he kind of just played wingman to Kyle Larson there uh, on those last several restarts. Uh, other than you know Tyler Reddick and, and him having a little contact, but I think um, you know he wasn't going to pass Larson for the lead. The TV made a bunch of drama about it, but there, in my mind, there was absolutely no way he was going to get a Hendrick teammate prevent them from getting into the playoffs automatically uh you know tv was kind of making it drama like oh well he can pass them because kyle larson still be great on points and i'm like all it takes is two bad races for larson he could be right out of it as we saw in the previous round that that, it's too too risky so i think he played wingman now what if it's somebody like a chase elliott that is up there in front of byron so you know, Elliot will be good here, uh, but uh, I, I just don't think William Byron will be as strong on these left side tires as well. Um, so nine to one, not as good value. You still can find him uh, in other places at longer odds, 12 to one, even 14 to one potentially uh, at uh, certain places. But nine to one, I probably wouldn't bet him. You know, I was looking at uh, for these low wear tracks, the lap leaders and not including Texas, because um, I don't have that updated data yet. I mean, I do, but I haven't added it into my spreadsheet yet. But uh, if we look at the previous five races at low wear tracks that are either a mile and a half or two miles long, there have been uh, seven drivers. So, so you know, there's been a couple of races where more than one driver has led at least 69 laps. Nice. nice. And Kyle Larson is five of those seven. And like I said, there's been five low wear races, not counting Texas. And uh, so that means if you include Texas, Kyle Larson has led at least 69 laps at all six low wear mile and a half, two mile races this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Expect more of the Kyle Larson show this weekend. So um, yeah, I see you can get Byron at 11 to one at FanDuel, for example, you can find him. 12 to one I've seen at other places and, and uh, earlier in the week, 14 to one, I think he's probably been bet down from the 14 to one places, but uh, you know, I definitely just don't see the value at nine to one on Byron this week, but uh, <laughs> I know uh, I've seen some tweets from, from you and a couple others on hoping for another profit boost in various places. So we can get Kyle Larson a little bit more palatable odds because uh, you know, Larson has nothing to lose here. He's, he's locked in. He's going to go for the win because you want to have more wins on your resume. It's always good to get that first place trophy. And uh, Larson has just been absolutely the best this year at the low wear mile and a half. Yeah. So looking at the the five low wear mile and a half tracks or races this year, uh, two Vegas races, Charlotte, Kansas, and Texas, Kyle Larson has led 913 laps. Second best is Denny Hamlin with 196. You brought up a good point about um, Larson and, and being aggressive this weekend. We'll get to that in a second. But I did notice a tweet this week that Kyle Larson's 54 laps away from breaking the record set by Jeff Gordon in 2001 for most laps led in a 36-race season. One, incredibly impressive. 
two, I don't think enough people are realizing that Kyle Larson is doing this without leading on the smaller tracks. The only tracks that he's led at under a mile in length, Bristol for 175 laps, and then he led like eight laps at Richmond or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's done this on mile and a half, two mile, the big tracks, the the road courses. So I think, you know, if if you would do the the calculation by mileage instead of laps, which I always like, I've always wanted that to be tracked instead of laps, but I think that that puts it into even bigger perspective of just how dominant Kyle Larson has been this season. Yeah. uh, He's, he's been absolutely amazing and it's kind of a little surprising. He hasn't dominated more at Bristol. Uh, Now, obviously the first Bristol was dirt uh, and Mm -hmm. you know, he and Christopher Bell got caught up in a wreck pretty early there, but you have to think he would have led some more there. And Martinsville's never been a great track for him, and he has won at Richmond, so it's a little surprising he hasn't led more at Richmond, but there's a lot of good 750 short flats drivers like Hamlin, Logano, Truex especially come to mind. So uh, you're right, he's done it on like 400-mile races where it's a mile and a half track, and there's only 267 laps in the race, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, obviously, Coca-Cola 600 is is an exception where there's 400 laps and Texas uh, and Atlanta have a couple 500 mile races between them. So it, it makes sense. But yeah, he's been absolutely completely dominant. And you have to think he's going to be starting on the pole at Kansas. Obviously, you have to think he's going to be gunning for for that all time record uh, in terms of a 36 race season. And he should get it. I mean, he's starting on the pole at Kansas. He dominated the first Kansas race. He's dominated every single low wear mile and a half slash two mile race this year. Uh, Kyle Larson, you know, probably after Kansas, will be talking about the fact that he now has led more laps than anyone in Cup Series history in a single 36 race season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been nine races this year that Kyle Larson has led over 100 laps. He's finished first or second in all but one of them. And the exception was the first Kansas race, which got screwy at the end. Uh, and he started 32nd that race and he still led 132 laps. But, um, so that brings up, you know, the talk around NASCAR early in the week, this week heading into Kansas is, is what to expect from Kyle Larson on Sunday at Kansas. Um, there's this narrative going around and I don't know who's been pushing it or why, but this narrative that Kyle Larson's going to take it easy because he can, um, do you think, and, and this is obviously, this is going to impact the thought process of not only betters, but fantasy players. And I'd say more so fantasy players because um, just of how important, like actually leading laps are. Do you see Kyle Larson in any way backing down this weekend and not being the dominant car? Like there's like, if this, if he wasn't locked into Phoenix, he would be projected to absolutely dominate this race. Do you think that he's going to step back and maybe let someone else do the leading this week? No. Why? Why would he? He he wants to win. He wants to keep winning. Uh, and the other thing is, it, you know, there are some really tough cars that he is going up against, especially if we go to Phoenix. You think about the championship race. I mentioned Truex, Hamlin, uh, Logano, Kyle Busch. Yep. If there's a way he can prevent one of those other four drivers from getting into Phoenix, he's going to do that. 
he would actually rather have teammate Chase Elliott, not just because he's a team car, but Elliott isn't quite now. He's still very good, but isn't quite as strong, I think, especially as Truex Hamlin and Logano at these short flats this year. Uh, maybe closer to a Kyle Busch, um, who's you know still been up there, but uh, you know he he would he would love to win this race. It's another trophy on his resume. Uh, it would give him what is it eight wins on the season, nine wins on the season. I've lost count mm-hmm. at this point, um, and he has a chance. So yeah, so one, two, three, four five, six, seven, eight wins on the season. If he wins Kansas and Phoenix, that's double digit wins on the season. That has been done in years. Harvick got nine last year, but it has been a long time since the driver's gotten double digit wins in, in the cup series. I think the last to do it was maybe Jimmy Johnson, but uh, you know, that would, that would be uh, a feather in the cap there for Kyle Larson to get double digit wins. If you can win Kansas and Phoenix, um, probably discounting him winning Martinsville. I, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow he won that either. He's gotten so much better uh, at Martinsville and also just with the better equipment, it helps so much. So um, I don't see any reason for him to back down. The only scenario I see him backing down is if Chase Elliott's in front of him late in the race and he plays wingman to let teammate Chase Elliott, you know, grab another spot in phoenix there Mm -hmm. yeah as you said right now joey logano and martin tricks jr as far as i'm concerned are now in west must win situations if they want to get to phoenix truex won phoenix earlier this year logano led half the race it's in larson's best interest to keep those guys out of phoenix um not to mention he's still not sponsored hendrick is sponsoring him this year the more that he wins, the more sponsor people are going or more companies are going to want to sponsor him or potentially sponsor him. So this whole narrative of, you know, he's going to back off and, and somehow use this, like he's not even going to use it as a test week because this is the last time they'll ever run this race car. This Ryan from my fantasy race made a great point earlier today on Tuesday. He said, this car has been built for a while. Like they're bringing their best stuff to this race. Mm-hmm. Larson's going to be the guy to beat. The only possible scenario i could see where he would somehow not win this race is yes they have nothing to lose and maybe there's a chance or a time during the race where he cannot pit or pit earlier or do something you know to get off sequence just to try to win the race at the end that's the only time i could see larson this this being a not normal race, but if this race goes completely as planned and as we expect it to, which is a lot of green flag runs, Kyle Larson's going to be up front all day. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, he's the guy to beat. He's been the guy to beat all year. Nothing has changed except for this fantasy, uh, you know, the the playoff perspective of it, which I can guarantee you he's not thinking about that this week. He wants to go out and win this race. Absolutely. I, I agree. And, 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 you know, maybe one other scenario would be like a, a pit road speeding penalty or, a, a, you know, a, a tire gets away, you know, uncontrolled tire or whatever violation on the pit road. Um, he's not going to wreck. He, he's, he's dominated every single race this year at low wear mile and a half, two mile tracks. Um, he, you know, the only, I mean, the only other thing would be like, if, you know, somehow an engine let go, like we saw with Logano this past weekend. Uh, but you know, he's not going to wreck. He's it, it, it would take a penalty, probably a late race penalty, not even an early race penalty because he just come flying back through the field. Uh, it, it would probably take a late race penalty or some kind of blown engine or mechanical failure, tire, blown tire, puncture, whatever, uh, to 
keep him from at least being up front or near the front all day. So that doesn't mean he's going to win, but I don't see any scenario in which he's not gunning for the win, except Chase Elliott being out front late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause even, you know, guys like Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, if he can keep them from winning and keep them from being guaranteed a spot, it just, it helps him. It's, Mm -hmm. He'd much rather go against the Penske cars at Phoenix than he would the Gibbs cars. Um, and kind of going off of that, we talked about it last week with non-playoff drivers and how you handicap them, um, you know, to win these races. So we had Byron that would finish second, Christopher Bell finished third at Texas. One guy um, that was strong all day and affected some people's races was Tyler Reddick. He kind of pissed off Kyle Busch. After the race, Kyle Busch mentioned how there's no respect from these younger guys, um, especially late in the year. We saw Tyler Reddick race like an idiot at Michigan. I thought he raced like an idiot again at Texas. He almost took out like the front three cars by racing like an idiot. Um, do you think that this younger generation of drivers is a little too aggressive, especially in these playoffs? Or, or do you think that, you know, they're out there to win and, and they're out there to run well? I'm kind of picking on Reddick here, but just recency bias. The kid drives like an idiot sometimes. Same with Ross Chastain. And uh, you remember Chase Briscoe at Indy uh, taking out Denny Hamlin after he knew he was going to get a penalty for for cutting the track there, which I still thought was okay because in some ways, because Hamlin kind of forced him off the track out there. But, uh, you know, it it, it was definitely kind of a Robbie Gordon moment. And uh, we all know Robbie Gordon had his, his share of, you know, losing control but uh you know i think reddick's gonna have to learn the line and where it's crossed because we saw reddick you know just uh at charlotte you know get into the back of byron he got into the side of byron this time was worried about a tire byron then end up you know having to be worried about a tire rub late in the race there last handful of laps um <coughs> excuse me there uh but uh i think it's just uh he needs to learn where the line is. And and I think a lot of young drivers go through this. You know, Jeff Gordon had a lot of spin outs in his first year or so as a driver. Uh, you know, we've seen multiple drivers just early in their career try to figure out where the line is and where it's too far. And they'll need to learn respect. I don't think it's anything with this new generation. I think it's always been a young driver thing where oh. some drivers just don't quite know where the line is. There's other young drivers that Maybe they don't want to push that line, and so they're too conservative. Uh, so maybe there is a, a certain thing with this generation where they've decided, uh, you know, the attitude of this generation isn't to be too conservative, but rather to err on the side of too aggressive. I think that's fine. Uh, but uh, eventually, as they grow and mature, they'll figure it out. I mean, look at somebody like Kyle Larson, for example. The dude, you know, he he had a lot of of DNFs or, or problems or issues in the first two or so years of his career, he finished 17th and 19th in the points year three, which is what Tyler Reddick will be going into next year, finished ninth in the points, had a win several other top two, three finishes, uh, and, you know, started to come into his own in 2016, 17, et cetera, with Ganassi, which admittedly was not a top tier team. So the fact that he did that with kind of, uh, you know, RCR equivalent this year or, or, you know, Ganassi equivalent this year, pretty darn impressive, but it takes time for these younger drivers to mature and develop and understand where the line is. Um, one driver I will say that hasn't been too crazy aggressive, a you know, younger driver, uh, William Byron. He's only 25. He's actually younger, uh, uh, or sorry, uh, 
Chase Elliott, I should say, 25 years old. He's actually younger than Christopher Bell. Do you know that? Chase Elliott is younger than Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell is 26 years old. But Bell also hasn't crossed the line too much in his only his second full-time cup season. We didn't really see Chase Elliott cross the line too much, maybe in certain circumstances with Hamlin. Uh, obviously this year with Harvick, there's been some stuff, but that wasn't like, uh, I haven't matured or anything, but I don't remember recall too much in Chase Elliott's first year or two, uh, any major, major problems. It was kind of year three, four, five, when he became a championship contender along, uh, you know, he had those, those things with Denny Hamlin this year, he's had the thing with Harvick, uh, but he'd already at this point paid his dues, earned his respect. So yeah, I think there's, I think there's, uh, some younger drivers that just push too hard they want to make a name for themselves they want to give it their all and they don't know the give and take the appropriate give and take and uh you know i was i i even immediately as uh reddick like door slammed uh byron there i was like what the heck and it it wasn't even because i was rooting for byron because i bet on or anything that was just that was him driving over his head and and a lot of drivers uh have commented on the over aggressiveness of these younger generation of drivers, you know, somebody like a chase Briscoe as well. We saw him have a couple of tussles up there running in the top 10 ish all day or most of the day after, you know, different pit strategies and, and untimely cautions for other drivers came, came to light. Uh, you know, he was running in the top 10, eight, 12 in that most, most, most of the latter portion of the race until some incidents happened there. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think there's some aggression among, among some of the younger drivers, but I wouldn't say all of the younger drivers. You know, I haven't seen Christopher Bell get caught up in too many crazy things other than that that one deal with with Kyle Larson, which, you know, uh, that was just yeah. kind of weird. But I wasn't I wouldn't say that was because of his over aggressiveness. That was just kind of a mistake. Yeah. And you did mention uh, you said Byron, but you meant Chase Elliott. But Byron's another guy that just I, I would say he's not aggressive enough. And that's why he doesn't get oftentimes doesn't get the finishes he deserves you know there's a lot of times where William Byron has top five speed and he finishes like eighth or tenth but because Mm -hmm. I think he's a little too uh conservative but yeah I you know that just stuck in my head like I remember back to Michigan and Reddick driving like an idiot and then the same thing happened to Texas and it's like what are you doing man like you got a top five car like you you don't need to you don't need to be doing that but um but we did see, you know, going back to the to the non-playoff driver and drivers and affecting potentially affecting this championship. We did see Daniel Suarez and Martin Truex Jr. have an issue. I guess it's it looked like to me it looked like Truex came down on Suarez. Mm-hmm. Replays showed they might not have even made contact, but Truex was obviously upset with Suarez because Truex is upset with anybody that doesn't give him twenty feet of space on the racetrack. But again, we see these non-playoff drivers and potentially affecting these playoff drivers you know that that ended truex's day not that he was having a great day but all of a sudden he is 22 points off the cut line now like i said he's about a 10th place car on mile and a half this year don't see him stealing the win at kansas i think he's going to be in a must-win situation at um martinsville and it's just it's a it's a problem i i don't want to use the word problem but it's a product of this playoff format and, and what can happen with, with one bad run in three races. When, when you're to the the final eight, you know, you're, you're racing against the best right here. Nobody's sneaking into this round usually um, on luck. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, initially when it happened, just based off of live, I said, <laughs> Swore has gotten to, gotten to Truex, non playoff car impacting playoff driver. Now 
after replay, you know, somebody said, uh, replied to my tweet and said, uh, Suarez was holding his line. Martin came down on him. I said, yeah, I agree on the replay. Uh, and I think that's the general consensus is, is most people agree, you know, Truex came down on Suarez. That said, Suarez did have the opportunity to potentially back out a little bit. Um, obviously, it would have cost him the position, but he needs to see the bigger picture here in that if he doesn't back out of it, he's spinning out a playoff driver. Now, it's a little unfair to Suarez because you know he's trying to get a good finish. He's trying to put up the best results he can, um, and it, it's super quick reaction times for, for Truex coming down there. Um, but it, it's one of those like big picture things. I don't fault Suarez, but that's just the way NASCAR is set up with these playoffs is you can have a non-playoff driver impacting, even if it wasn't his fault, he still impacted the playoff scenario here with Truex getting a 25th place DNF. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, interesting to say 25th place was a DNF, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things where I would love to have seen Suarez understand the bigger picture. I'm not faulting him, but maybe, maybe back out a little bit and just give a little more room there. Uh, it just because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, even though, yeah, maybe he could get an extra position or whatever. It, it It's probably not worth it for the potential repercussions of impacting the playoffs. Um, again, I, I wouldn't say it's his fault, but I think maybe just understanding the scenario here uh, is something that, you know, would be a little better served for Suarez. But I, I definitely agree. I think, um, you know, Trix came down on Suarez. There may not even have been contact. It may have just been the air that got him around. But we all know if you get close to somebody's left rear, you could, the air can just spin him around. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just one of those things where it was unfortunate for Suarez. I completely think that, you know, I, he wasn't trying to wreck Trix. He was holding his line, trying to just race hard. But maybe just a slight bit better uh, awareness of the scenario could be warranted there. But I don't fault him. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is that doesn't happen at Phoenix. If that's the Phoenix race, Suarez backs all the way out. You like think every so, driver's yeah. going to, yeah. The, every driver in that race, they basically just let the championship drivers run one, two, three, four, and then it's, it's a vacation race for the rest of the field. You know, like yep. nobody cares about that race. Um, but yeah. So, Going into, or now that we're one race down in the round of eight, Larson's locked in. Blaney has a 17-point advantage over the cut line. Hamlin and Kyle Busch are plus nine, plus eight. And then Chase Elliott's on the outside looking in. Minus eight, Keselowski's minus 15. Truex minus 22, and Logano minus 43. After that uh, engine failure at, at Texas, I thought it was crazy when they threw out the stat. It's been seven years since Joey Logano's had an engine failure. That's just, it speaks volumes to how good that organization and Roush Yates engines are. Yeah, I agree. And just in general, we don't see a ton of engine failures. When was, when was the last driver that had an engine, you know, last middle tier, upper tier team that had a major engine failure that you can recall prior to the Logano one? It's just the product of quality control, uh, and, and technology that has made engines more reliable. I mean, we used to see probably an engine every race or, or sometimes multiple engines a race. Uh, you know, there, I remember back in the day, it'd be like, oh, Hendrick driver blew an engine. Second Hendrick driver blew an engine. Now we got to be worried yeah. about the other two Hendrick drivers. You know, we don't see that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just a product of 
modernization of the sport and of technology and quality control, it, it's very rare for that to happen. It's extremely unfortunate to Logano that it happened here. He has to win to get in now. There's no way he's coming back from a 40-plus point deficit with the quality of drivers of, that are ahead of him. Uh, even, he has to win. You'd think his best shot, given the poor results at the 550 mile and a half this year, is going to be Martinsville. He can win Martinsville. He's done it before to get into the championship. Um, now, obviously, that was when Martinsville was the first race in 2018 of the, the second to last round. Uh, he won Martinsville by moving Truex out of the way. So he can do it. Um, it's just a question of will he do it, you know, and, and that's certainly a long shot. What I'm really interested in is, you know, if we look at uh, you know, championship odds, for example, Logano right now, 28 to one on DraftKings. He's uh, 25 in other places, but I, I'm I'm super curious where Logano will be after Kansas because he's probably not going to gain a whole lot of ground. Will he still be 25? Will he go to like 35 to one? Because I'd be kind of interested in him at something like over 30 to one, uh, because all it takes is him winning Martinsville. And then he's been really good at the short flats this year. He's had a chance to win multiple short flat races. Um, you know, obviously he won the dirt race at Bristol, but, uh, in terms of Richmond, he was in contention for the win there. Uh, he was running up front, finished second at Phoenix and uh, led the most laps and the first Phoenix race this year. So he finished fourth at New Hampshire, um, finished fifth at the second Richmond race. I mean, the dude has a top five at every single short flat race this year, except Martinsville, which is a little bit different, but he still finished sixth there and uh, has won at Martinsville in the past. His his past uh, couple Martinsville finishes are six, three, four. Uh, eight, uh, and then a 19 and 2019, but that was with the higher downforce. Uh, so, th- so the eight and 19 were higher downforce, but then you go back to low downforce again in 2018 and it was a win and a sixth, uh, and then a 24th and a fourth, you know, so like in low downforce, he's been kicking ass at Martinsville. So I don't see any reason he couldn't contend for the win at Martinsville and contend for the win at Phoenix. So I'm really curious where his odds will be after Kansas. It may warrant, uh, you know, a salt bay sprinkle there on uh, a championship for Joey Logano. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking about this before the playoffs started, um, specifically, you know, betting guys that you think can win when they get in a hole, especially in this round. I did it last year. Um, I, I It was actually, I think, on Logano. Like, I grabbed him at like 16 to 1, or, or maybe it was – I know Elliott was like at 12 to 1 before Martinsville. Um had to win Martinsville, did it, then went and won the championship. I'm I'm monitoring the same thing with Martin Truex Jr. Because he can definitely win Martinsville. And like I said, he won Phoenix earlier this year. He's currently 12 to 1 on DraftKings, which is great for me. Like I'm I'm fighting back myself from betting that because I I still think Martin Truex Jr. can win this championship. But if he has a Kansas race that I expect, which is about a 10th place day maybe a couple stage points. There's no way that that doesn't go up to 16, 20 to one, in my opinion, um, especially in some of these, some of these books that are more generous. So I'm, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Another guy that that has my eye is chase Elliott eight to one. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, obviously he's on the outside looking in right now. He's really good at Kansas. Hendrick is really good at mile and a half. Like you said, if, if it, if it comes down to the final restart and it's Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott on the front row, 
there's no doubt in my mind that Kyle Larson is going to get a slower start or maybe go into the corner a little wrong and let Chase Elliott just fly by. It's it's it can easily happen. If it comes down to that, it can easily happen. So I don't mind taking Chase Elliott at eight to one either. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Elliott's strong at all these remaining tracks, and mm. uh, you know he obviously won the championship at Phoenix last year. Uh, I will say this year he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been quite as good at these short flats. Um, you know, he he uh, finished fifth at Phoenix. He wasn't, you know, a super dominant car there. He was great at Martinsville. Um, but I'm talking more like the Phoenix Richmond's, uh, a 12th place finish at Richmond one and a fourth at Richmond two, uh, and then an 18th place at New Hampshire. So it hasn't been his strongest point this year. I mean, I just, I have a much harder time with him winning at Phoenix than I do with somebody like a Hamlin, a Truex or a Logano. Uh, mm-hmm. I honestly would put him, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth in the pecking order there. If you include Larson and, uh, Kyle Busch as well. You know, I, I I don't see him being as dominant at Phoenix as especially Truex and Hamlin and uh, potentially Logano. And, and then, of course, like I said, Larson and Kyle Busch are right there as well. So those guys all, you know, I think are neck and neck or better than Chase Elliott this year in this package, in this current state of things. Uh, now, now, I understand last year as well, but. Um, you just have to think that he hasn't quite been as good as some of these other drivers at the short flats this year. Yeah. One guy who like we've kind of sprinkled on a little bit as these playoffs went on. And now it's looking like I'm going to be surprised if Ryan Blaney doesn't make the final four. I'll say that right now. Is he a legitimate championship contender? Because well, Kansas, he should be top five at Kansas. He can win Martinsville. Can Ryan Blaney, I think Phoenix is his worst short flat track. Richmond probably. Ryan, he, remember, he's always terrible at Richmond. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Richmond is basically Richmond. is basically a .75 version of Phoenix, you know, um, just with the start-finish line moved to a different point on the track, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Richmond and Phoenix are so similar. He's never been great at Phoenix. I mean, here's his Phoenix finishes at Penske Racing under low downforce conditions. 16 uh, a DNF in 34th, a DNF in 37th, 6th, and 10th. Uh, and obviously, Richmond is even worse than that. So I just I can't see him contending for the win at Phoenix. I do think he gets into the Final Four with a good Kansas race. Martinsville's been very strong for him. I think he's in. Uh, at this point, I think Ryan Blaney is in. Uh, obviously, anything can happen, but I'd say he's more favored to be in than not, given his points position and two strong tracks here for him. But, you know... I just don't see it at Phoenix. I don't see it compared to all these other drivers. I mentioned, I mentioned six drivers. That I think have better chances than him. I think he, even Keselowski probably has better chances than him at these short flats. So of the eight remaining playoff drivers, I would put him eighth at Phoenix in the pecking mm-hmm. order. And that's not good enough for me to bet on championship odds for him. If there was a yes, no prop on uh, you know, winning the championship, I would bet the no at, uh, you know, very, very heavily uh, on the no side, depending on, you know, what those those odds would be. But I mean, I'm looking at Blaney right now. He's five to one to win the championship on DraftKings. I would take the no on that all day. Yeah, it's that's again, I think that's a overreaction. And at the same time, you can get Hamlin on Bet Rivers at five to one. I've said since the beginning of the playoffs, I think Denny Hamlin wins this championship. 
I don't see him getting any longer, even with a bad race, if he has a bad race at Kansas. If you want to bet Hamlin, I think this is the week to do it because it's not going to get any longer than five to one um, these next two weeks. I can almost guarantee that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. So the final four going into this Kansas race, who's your modified final four? If it's modified at all. Uh, I mean, it's definitely modified uh, with Blaney in there. Obviously Larson is in. Um, Then it's, it's super tight because you know uh, any, almost any of these drivers could win Martinsville Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Blaney's very good there, and I already putting him in even on points. Larson's already in, but Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Keselowski, Truex, and Logano are all very good at Martinsville. The issue is they have to win Martinsville. They have to win. I'm going to say Logano doesn't. I'm going to say Keselowski doesn't, even though he's very good here. Uh, it, it's going to come down to for me, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, and Martin Truex Jr. on that last spot. I'm going to say Hamlin's in, and. Uh, I, I have to go with my preseason pick with the pick I've made multiple times this year. I'm going to go with Kyle Bush in the final four. So I think the final four is the current top four, but I don't feel super comfortable about that just because of Truex being so awesome at, at Martinsville. Uh, Keselowski being awesome. It, it, ah, it's super tight between Truex, Kyle Bush and Chase Elliott for me, honestly. Um, I could see either of those, but I think Larson, Blaney and Hamlin are, I wouldn't say shoo-ins, but uh, I think they're, for me, they're all, f- obviously Larson's in, but Blaney and Hamlin, I, I would say are favored to get in. I would say Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott are not favored to get in just because Truex, Kozlowski, Logano are also so strong at Martinsville. Um, so, you know, if you had like plus odds on all five of those drivers, uh, Bush, Elliott, Kozlowski, Truex, and Logano, I'd probably handicap it. Uh, I personally would handicap it, Bush, Truex, Elliott, Keselowski, Logano, just because Logano is so far back and he would have to absolutely have to win Martinsville. Um, so that's probably how I would handicap it. But I don't feel comfortable making that fourth pick there uh, between mm-hmm. Kyle Busch, Elliott, and Truex. Yeah, it's 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 as we expected. This is super tight. And, you know, even Hamlin with only a nine-point advantage over the cut line right now is it's – one issue at Kansas is going to completely shake everything up for many of these guys. I'd love to see Martin Truex Jr. make the final four. My my wallet would as well. I'm not sure it happens though. Like if it comes down to Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin not locked in after Kansas, I don't I don't think Truex can beat those guys. And like I said, he's gonna be he's gonna be um needing a win. But but yeah, that's 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 one thing that makes this playoff these playoff format, this playoff format so exciting, you know, as much as people like to hate on it. This is exciting on on who's going to get into the final four. Um did you see the I forget who tweeted it, but it was the the standings if we didn't have the playoff format. Did you see that? Uh yeah, I saw that. Um Somebody tweeted it, you know, because I think Racing Reference has it just in general, like uh, yeah. what are the playoff standings. But yeah, Kyle Larson and Denny Ham would be tied right now, and they'd be way ahead of third place. Yeah, they'd be like, I think like six races above third place. Like 
it it'd be coming down to them, which is which is wild. So you know NASCAR Twitter is going to be on fire if if Denny Hamlin doesn't make the final four. I still think he will, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's that's wild that they would be tied on points after after this many races. Um, especially yeah. Hamlin with, I mean, kudos to Hamlin. He has what two wins this year? That's it. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, looking so looking ahead toward Kansas. Hollywood Casino 400. We're back to a 400-mile race, so a little bit shorter than last week's race at Texas. Um, I know Logano's engine's probably happy to hear that. Um, Larson on the pole. We got Blaney starting second, Keselowski third, Kyle Busch fourth, Chase Elliott fifth. Um, obviously, you know, Larson is the favorite. I've already I already got my algorithm stuff done this week, and it's basically the same thing as last week. It's Larson, Kyle Busch, Hamlin. Even after Texas and they dudded, it's still it's still saying those three by a good margin over everybody else. Um, is your mindset the same? Like we shouldn't. Again, we're going back to this. Should we overreact to Texas or not? We're both on agreement that we shouldn't. But is Larson, Kyle Busch, Hamlin still like the the top tier compared to the the very good tier of like Blaney? Uh, Chase Elliott, um, Byron, maybe throwing, yeah, Byron, yeah. Um, you know, I think so. My model this past weekend for Texas had the top five were on average finish, not an upside, but on average finish were Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, and William Byron. Now, Larson on upside finish was way now. I should say Hamlin and Larson both had an upside finish of 1.0, but the probability of that 1.0 for Hamlin was, uh, you know, it was more like plus 500 odds or really close. So almost break, you know, almost like 15% to, to finish as a win. Whereas Larson was like 35, 40% to win uh, as the upside finish. So upside for me is what is your 15% or better outcome in finish. Um, but, but in terms of average finish, was Bush, Hamlin, Larson, Blaney, and Byron. And all of those five were within 0.8 of each other in average finish. 0.8 positions. So I don't expect a whole lot to change. Um, you know, Kyle Bush had maybe the worst race of the five, and he was the one that was highest up in those those five positions. Now, there will be some differences in my model just because of the different tire combinations. So it'll probably devalue Byron a little more and actually push Kyle Busch up a little bit would be my guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think it's those five. Um, I think it's those five and then everybody else at Kansas. Maybe a Chase Elliott can squeeze up there. Chase Elliott was actually really low in average finish for my model this past weekend because of Texas specifically. Uh, and he didn't look great. He wasn't He wasn't right. dominant. He wasn't one of the top cars. He was a, a fifth to tenth place car, you know, sixth to tenth place car. He wasn't even a top five car. Uh, and that's kind of where my model valued him at. And he's never been super great at Texas or Kentucky, which I tweeted a lot about, uh, in the couple days leading up to the race was Kentucky and Texas were both more recently repaved 16 and 17. They lowered the banking in one set of the turns. I think it was one, two in Texas and three, four in Kentucky. Uh, and they did like a little curing process to try to make the track age more, but it didn't really help. Uh, cause it's so low wear as we saw at Texas and the sim, we found the same with Kentucky, Chase Elliott just didn't stand out as average finish in my model. He probably will be better here at Kansas in my model just because uh, I include everything. I include the age of the surface. I include uh, the banking. I include 
uh, tire combination, et cetera. Chase will probably pop up a little more in my model. Uh, I would expect William Byron to drop a touch. I expect Kyle Busch to drop a touch just because of his you know, result here this past weekend. Uh, but it shouldn't look too different. Uh, so I think, you know, I think we'll see probably very similar results in my model. Um, I, I think, you know, what we'll probably end up seeing is just Kyle Larson pull ahead of the field in my model uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I haven't run it yet. I always run it um, after the starting lineup is air quote officially set and the entry list is officially done um, just so that, you know, I don't have to rerun it in case surprises or changes happen. But I wouldn't expect a whole lot of difference. The only major thing would be the different left side tire. Um, but on this right side tire, William Byron has been amazing. So, you know, probably doesn't drop him a ton either. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to see pretty similar results for, for both of our models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like I like I said, I got mine done today, and there's not a ton of change. It, it, it didn't like Byron as much last week, and he's up there this week. Um, and that was the main uh reddick as well you know uh going back to the to the first kansas race this year this kevin harvick finished second in that race didn't have the second best car but he did finish second in that race he was he was a solid top five car at texas for most of the day do you think harvick could steal this no (laughs) i don't (laughs) he's not going to be better than larson He's almost surely not going to be better than at least one of Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Byron, Blaney. Um, I think it would take a miracle for Harvick to steal it. Uh, You know, I think what happened at Kansas, I mean, Kyle Larson dominated the whole race, most of the race, whole race, whatever. And there was that weird tire issue. Remember, there was like a tire laying on the infield and they waited for the green flag cycle to complete or whatever. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was Kansas, right? And yep. That was that was so weird, and there ended up being a weird caution, and then some late, a bunch of late cautions, like we saw at Texas, which allowed Harvick to almost not really steal it because it wasn't even close. I mean, it was it was the Larson and Kyle Busch show at the end there, and Kyle Busch uh, beat Larson on a couple restarts, and then that very last one, Larson got kind of uh, you know screwed and ended up falling way back in the field, but at the same time. They both had equal opportunity on restarts and Kyle Bush or sorry, Kyle Larson even had the preferred choice on the first one or two of those and ended up losing to Kyle Bush. So you can't put all the blame on, on bad luck there. I mean, Kyle, Kyle Bush just outdrove Kyle Larson there at the end on those restarts. Um, so, you know, it would take something like that for Kevin Harvick to win, but even crazier. Cause I can't even see him beating Kyle Larson or Kyle Bush or Denny Hamlin or, or William Byron or Ryan Blaney on a, a late restart there. So, you know, what really happened there was Harvick just wasn't the best. He couldn't get out front, so he slotted into second place there. And I think, you know, if he was even near the front, that's probably what we'd end up seeing. Uh, it would take – the way I think he could do it actually would be if he started on the second row on the last restart and either the first two cars kind of got together or he made it like a weird like three-wide scenario and somehow somehow got clear and – because you can't pass after the first lap or two, you know, it was like a green white checkered or, or maybe three or four to go. That would be the only way. And I just don't see it happening for Kevin Harvick here. He's just not strong enough this year at the mile and a half. Stuart Haas, not strong enough here at the mile and a half this year, uh, especially the low wear ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe if he had Matt DiBenedetto behind him on the, on the final restart, cause we all know how good DiBenedetto is on, on restarts yep. and pushing. Um, but yeah, I don't remember exactly. Like, 
I briefly remember that first Kansas race. I know we had the tire debacle and then the final restart, but I forget why Kyle Larson finished 19th. I don't know if he had to pit. Or it was that just... last restart. There was just, it was multiple cars. You know, I think he and Blaney, they're pushing yeah. each other and, and they both got like kind of wiggly loose or whatever and ended up falling through the pack. And it, Larson ended up falling further back through the pack than Blaney. But uh, I seem to remember that being the case. It was that last restart, one or two restarts. So, um, I, it, you know, NASCAR has uploaded all those races to YouTube. You probably watched the last 20 minutes of it and, and figure out exactly what happened. But I very much remember that because people were tweeting that Larson got robbed and I disagree. Larson did not get robbed. Uh, people didn't get robbed. He didn't perform on those last couple restarts and Kyle Busch mm. did. So, um, I kind of disagreed with people's assessment there. They felt like, you know, in betting or in DFS, they lost some money because Larson got robbed. He got screwed. And I, I do think the, the the tire caution was stupid and inconsistent and terrible by NASCAR. Uh, you know, if it wasn't a safety precaution for 30 laps, why suddenly was it a safety issue after green flag cycles completed? You either throw it right away or you don't throw it all, you know, in my book. So that was dumb. But in the end, Larson didn't get screwed. He just didn't he didn't restart as well. He he yeah. didn't race as well at the end there as Kyle Busch did. Yeah. Speaking of NASCAR, I don't think they had any blemishes in the Texas race. Like as far as bad calls or Shocker. stupid decisions. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is the first time in a while that we haven't, haven't said something. Um, overall, a pretty decent race. Um, like you said earlier, half the field basically didn't finish after that huge pileup uh, in the first stage or at the beginning of the second stage. And, I think Bubba Wallace got loose it or was, something happened. It was I the didn't... second stint, but it was the first stage. It was after that competition yeah. caution. Yeah. I, I didn't. I never saw a good replay of it. Like NBC, I, they just run a skeleton crew of, of camera guys now, I think. Um, it's, But yeah, that took out like half the field. It ended up being, you know, a lot of people's optimal projections for DFS, and mine included, for DraftKings was this was punt week, like go with McLeod and load up on guys like Larson up top. Um, and it ended up working out in not even inadvertently, but more than expected because of that huge pileup. BJ McLeod finished like 23rd. I mean, when you're punting, you're, you want him to just finish like 30th. Um, so yeah, it, it ended up being punt week last week. Don't think that's going to happen this week, but we do have Parker Kligerman in the 96. He's going to be starting dead last. Um, and there's quite a few place differential plays that might be attractive in DFS. Ryan Priest starting 32nd. He's been god awful at mile and a half over the last two years. You go back to last season, he's been awful, but he should be low priced. Same with Ryan Newman. He was running top 20 before he got caught up in that issue this last week. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who's been solid. Bubba Wallace, who's been solid. They're starting 27th, 28th. Um, Alex Bowman starting 25th. It's 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 another week where place differential plays the the one week being away from a road course, you know, like the road course messed up the starting lineup a little bit last week, DFS wise. That wreck again messes up the starting lineup DFS wise. Mm-hmm. Um that there's just gonna be a ton of chalk. So it should be I thought DraftKings did a very good job of pricing last week. And I think we're going to have the same issue here where it's it's actually fun to build lineups. Uh, you actually have to put thought into it. You have to put strategy into it and how you think the race is going to play out. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fun. Um, you mentioned Ryan Newman and 
he was 19th in average green flag speed at the first Kansas race uh, and would be 18th if you remove Austin Sindrick, who won't be in this race, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. So of the cars that will actually be in the race, you know, 18th in average green flag speed. You've got other drivers, you know, that like somebody like an Eric Jones at Texas, that's one of his better mile and a half tracks. He was 28th at Kansas uh, in the first race. Cole Custer, 31st. McDowell, 29th. Uh, Priest 27th, Suarez 26th, uh, Corey LaJoy 25th, which is good for him, uh, but Stenhouse 24th. Uh, like Ryan Newman was very good in the first Kansas race, uh, relative to the mid pack, lower mid pack type of cars. He was the best one. Um, I would consider, you know, Chastain and De Benedetto an upper mid pack type cars. So, you know, Newman could be chalk here. There's a lot of drivers that could end up being chalky. Um, one driver I would just still completely avoid as Cole Custer. That dude has just been awful this year at mile and a half. I will say, you know, I was a few episodes ago, I was ragging on him because he was not even close to 27th in the standings. Well, now he's super close to Ryan Newman. He's three points behind Newman in the standings for 27th. But Newman had a DNF at Bristol, a DNF at Charlotte, a road course, and a DNF at Texas. If he doesn't (laughs) have those DNFs, he's still way ahead of Cole Custer here. Uh, And you know, you look at the number of DNFs this year, Newman has had uh, five and Cole Custer has had one, two, three. So if you equalize the number of DNFs, Newman would be way ahead of Custer. But, um, you know, and, and Custer obviously had a relatively decent finish at Texas because he just avoided all the problems. Um, you know, he finished 19th, but was God awful slow again. And he was terrible at Kansas. So, um, but yeah, no, I think it'll be a fun DFS week. One of the things I do when there's a lot of chalk, and this isn't like the chalkiest, chalkiest week I've ever seen. You know, sometimes you'll have like, uh, I remember, especially uh, Chicagoland a few years ago when I won big, there was like massive chalk starting in the back, like Johnson and Logano and Larson and and a couple others. You know, there was like, like these super duper chalky drivers starting way in the back. Um, I think I created like, it was either I created 30 lineups and just 5X'd all of them, or I created 50 lineups and 3X'd all of them into the, the big GPP. So, you know, my 150 entries were either 30 or 50 lineups. And I ended up uh, basically making a bunch of chalky lineups, um, like the 30, 30 or 50 chalkiest lineups I could make, and just multiple Xing them, and one of them ended up winning. Um, you know, I think we could see something like that. When there's, if, but if, that was a little different because that was before qualifying happened, I think, and something happened in qualifying maybe. Um, and a bunch of drivers started in the rear. I think that was when they were doing the group qualifying potentially. And there was some weird situation or something that happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, since COVID we haven't DraftKings has a chance to set the pricing before or after I should say, knowing the starting lineup. And so it won't make it like that this year. And like you said, you think they did a good job this past weekend. Hopefully they do a good job again this weekend. Uh, and and that would be certainly nice to see. One thing I will say, we haven't talked about this yet. Doc blocked Kyle Bush, Jordan jinxed Kyle Bush. So, you know, if you, if you believe in those things, that could be a little scary for Kyle Bush. I will note that the Jordan Jinx is killing some drivers lately. Denny Hamlin at Texas. A.J. Allmendinger, who blew his engine at Charlotte Roval. I forget who it was on at uh, Talladega, but um, yeah. it's And we all know that Doc Blocked is 
just running on fire drivers left yeah. and right. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you are in what, like the top 1% of the worst mm-hmm. <laughs> random fantasy racing results this yeah. week or this year, this year. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I've always run on random fantasy. Um, I don't, it's random, but somehow it's not like it is actually, and I put this into my model. I gave a zero if they were not dock blocked and a one, if they were dock blocked. And when I run my normal model and then add in dock blocked as a factor, it shows up as statistically significant <laughs> for worse performance. I I can't even fathom that, but it's, it's supposed to be random, right? So it's, it's supposed to not show up as statistically significant, but with a P value of 0. 0.02, so it would be statistically significant at over 95% confidence, even though it's a random thing. So there's a 5% chance, you know, if, if it's less than 0.05, that it's just a false uh, positive or whatever. But we're talking like over 97% likelihood of a false positive, or, you know, 3% chance or less of a false positive here. Uh, I should say less than 0.02, so about 0.02. So like a 2% chance of a false positive, and obviously that can happen. Uh, and it is because it's random. It's just funny how that's worked out. Um, you know, it, it's just really funny how that has worked out. And uh, we've got the double jinx on them this weekend. The, the doc block from the random fantasy and the Jordan jinx from, you know, I mean, how can you not bet Kyle Bush at 10 to one when he opens like that at the race? He just won, you know, earlier this year. Right. Yeah. That was a, that was an immediate bet for me. And there's been a few times this year that, that I've had that, but like you said, you can't pass them up and I haven't checked if uh, points bet has adjusted him. I'm assuming they have because DraftKings opened him at six. Um, but again, it goes back to last week. Like we talked with Byron, you really need to pay attention to those books that are generous with those odds because typically their top five, their top three, their top 10 odds are equally as generous. So you can really have an edge there on a guy that can, easily win the race but should be a solid top three top five driver all day so um so yeah like there's there's no reason to not bet kyle bush if you can get him at i mean i'd I'd say even eight to one is great odds yeah i i agree with that um and you know you can still find kyle bush uh if you look around you can still find him at nine to one in places so uh Mm -hmm. still still a great bet there um, you know, I'm looking at a couple different things. I'm looking at group bets, etc. Um, one group bet I've been eyeing, not sure I'll pull the trigger on until I run my model. Uh, but one group bet I have been eyeing is the William Byron group where, um, he's, he's, uh, in a group with Truex Logano and Keselowski. We know Logano is terrible, uh, at five fifties this year. Mm-hmm. Truex hasn't been amazing. I mean, he's been fine, but not amazing. He was ninth, I think, in average green flags. No, 11th in average green flag speed in the first Kansas race. Uh, and then the main concern there would be that in that group bet would be with Keselowski. Keselowski ran great this past weekend. And Keselowski actually outran Byron in green flag speed in the first Kansas race. But, uh, you know, I mean, either Keselowski or Byron should win that group bet. And Byron right now plus 240 on DK, plus 230 uh, on the same group on FanDuel. Uh, and Keselowski is plus 270 at FanDuel. And if you go to um, DraftKings, he's plus 290. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at that group and thinking, well, if you bet both 
you know, if you bet Byron at 240 and Kozlowski at 290, you'll probably, probably return some money there. Mm-hmm. And I think one one big reason why Kez was so fast in the first Kansas race was he started on the pole. He led 72 laps. Like that, true. That played that played a big that, that clean factor. air helped. Yeah. yeah. So he's starting third this week. Don't really expect him to lead early. So uh, I'm with you there. I, I will say compared to last week, I made a lot of bets last week. Um, kept adding them to my card as the weekend went on. I'm not seeing a ton of bets that I like this week. I I bet Kyle Busch to win, and that's the only bet I have in right now. Um, there's Same. a couple head to couple head to heads that um, maybe some value, like William Byron over Truex, but it's minus one twenty. If I can get it at minus like one ten or e- or even, I'll I'll take it. But um, yeah. there was a couple that I tweeted. Let me look those up really quick. I think it was uh, Suarez over Chastain at even money. I like that. Uh, Stenhouse plus 110 over Almarola. I like that. But um, yeah, like the books have adjusted from last week and there's not as big of an edge. So, uh, you know, going into this weekend, I don't plan on betting nearly as much as I did last week. I had a really good betting week last week, but it goes back to what we've talked about in these episodes before. You have to be true to yourself and not bet just to bet. Like, only bet when there's an edge there and when you can make money. Like I'm notorious for betting on football just to have action. Um, not, I'm not that dumb when it comes to NASCAR though. Like if, if I'm going to take a week off, I'll take a week off. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, and I would recommend everyone do the same. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think there are a couple, I do like the Byron bet. We'll see what my model says. I haven't obviously bet it yet. Um, there's a couple others out there that I, you know, I think, could potentially warrant something i'm really interested if you you know if you shop around and you can find a good line like uh busher plus 150 versus almarola this past weekend a couple <laughs> offshore books had uh yeah. which was a great bet unfortunately busher got caught up in that last wreck but he was three laps ahead of almarola legitimately uh prior to that so um you know that was unfortunate uh it's it so if you you know if Obviously, the De Benedetto bets over um, Almirola or over Chastain, those were just smashes this past weekend, and, and they ended up hitting. Yeah. If you can find something similar where you're betting against a Chastain, I don't see anything on head-to-heads with DraftKings with Chastain right now. Um, that said, Chastain had a actually a pretty good Kansas race. He was 15th in average green flag speed. Uh, De Benedetto was 14th. But what if you can find somebody like a Tyler Reddick versus a Chastain, maybe? Um, mm-hmm. That would seem like a you know, a a bet, but you just got to keep shopping around. And and again, head to heads end up opening at more books as the week goes, whereas everybody has opening, you know, pretty much everybody is opening uh, outright lines, but uh, not as many places release head to heads until later in the week. So probably end up betting more as the week goes on, but you're right. My only bet right now is Kyle Busch to win. Um, You got him 10 to one. I got him nine to one. Yeah. Still both very solid values. And, uh, and yeah, Chastain, I noticed that too at, at the first Kansas race, you know, he finished 14th, didn't look awful. I feel like that's the exception to him this, this season though, on, on lower mile and a half and at the 550 package, like that's like his only good race. So I'm still low on Chastain heading into this weekend. I'll see if anything changes my mind. There's always a possibility for that, but, um, but yeah, like Chastain, like the numbers are just pointing to head to heads. Like, like you said, last week, De Benedetto versus Chastain was, hammer 
mm-hmm. De Benedetto versus Almirola was hammered. It, and and they were at like plus one ten and and even money. Like those were great bets. And like I said, I I tweet out all my bets. I tweeted those out. I added them to the article. If you tailed me, you had a you had a good betting week. If you tailed Doc, you had a good betting week. Um, for what seems like the twentieth week in a row, like we've been very good this season, and I'm happy. Especially with- at the mile and a half. Especially yes. not that we've been bad elsewhere. I mean, like like we've talked about last week, our worst this year had been the road courses until the past couple, two or the, two of the past three or so. I mean, nobody can really count Indy because that was a shit show, but uh, um, the the races that go mostly according to plan that don't have super high variants we've just been absolutely slaying so um yeah it's been nice to see and we should have another one this weekend kansas can produce some wrecks um especially uh obviously if we get something like texas or, or kansas earlier this year we get a bunch of late restarts that can create a lot of variance a lot of randomness but uh those tend to be the exception to the rule at mile and a half lower mile and a half tracks mm-hmm. um Oh, one thing I want to point out. So we had the shitbox special group bet last week. DraftKings added Cody Ware and Blicky and Timmy Hill and Quinn Hall all into a group. Unfortunately, they did not offer that this week, which I'm really disappointed because I love betting on shitboxes. Like, it's like a weird fetish for me. But DraftKings had to absolutely clean up on that group because Ware got involved in the um, early wreck. You know, he... I'd love to know the split of the money on that group because I could almost guarantee it was like 85 to 90% Cody Ware. So they had to absolutely clean up. I'm still waiting for the week. I want like a David Starr versus Chad Fincham head to head. Give me that, DraftKings. Give me it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, both of the, maybe, I shouldn't say both, but I think maybe there's been like two or three ones that I can remember this year, uh, like very significant ones, obviously the Cody Ware group one here, which was still a good bet. Um, it, you know, if you got it, especially at two forty or whatever it opened at, it got pushed down, I think like one forty by the end, um, yeah, one fifty, one fifty, one forty. I thought I saw it different books. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean that, that was an absolute smash and it shouldn't have been close. Had he not got caught up in that wreck, uh, Cody Ware would have finished, uh, miles ahead laps ahead of of the next closest driver um so that was just bad luck really bad luck and uh the price there was i mean that bet was still a very damn good bet let's let's just put it that way as a as a amazing bet if we look for example uh at kansas this past earlier this year cody Ware uh was a full mile an hour faster than joey gase and quinn Hauff. Uh, a full mile and a half faster than Matt Mills and a full almost three miles an hour, 2.8 miles an hour faster than Josh Balicki. Now, um, you know, I think it was half Balicki and Timmy Hill. He would have been way ahead of Timmy Hill as well. Uh, so um, yeah, I love those. And then we had the Haley versus BJ McLeod one, which wasn't even close. Yep. Wasn't even close. Yep. Uh, the, DraftKings ended up taking that off. Like they, mm-hmm. they just stopped offering it after a day or two <laughs> because that thing got smashed so incredibly hard. And I think Haley won by like three laps or something. I mean, it wasn't even close, but I hope they offer more of these because they haven't quite adjusted the price. They look and say, oh, this guy's 35th. This guy's 36th. It must be kind of close. But if you actually look at the, the deeper stats, the green flag speed, the laps run, etc., not even close. Um, 
You know, I kind of hope they do like a BJ McLeod versus Cody Ware special because BJ McLeod's an absolute hammer there. Uh, he's always a mile an hour faster than Cody Ware, usually a couple laps ahead of Cody Ware, barring any major issues. The only thing I will say about the shitbox specials is obviously they tend to have more issues than than the top guys. Mm-hmm. So it, pr- it produces have, more variance. Yeah. And speaking of shitboxes, so MBM motorsports put two cars into the texas race last week they're putting two cars into the kansas race this week they weren't as slow as normal last week i gotta give them a clap for that david star finished 23rd he was only only 11 laps off the pace and timmy hill finished 27th he was only 17 laps off the pace for them that's a very good weekend so um Good on them for putting two car putting two cars in and and getting respectful finishes. Yeah, we had all those wrecks, but David Starr had a legitimately decently fast car. Um, stayed there. He was only one lap behind BJ McLeod, so that's mm-hmm. that's very good. Um, as much as I hate the guy, <laughs> I, so, I just want to point out though that so Chris Busher DNF'd in twenty first. Drivers that did not DNF include BJ McLeod, who finished twenty second. David Starr finished 23rd. Garrett Smithley finished 24th. Uh, Josh Balicki finished 26th. And Timmy Hill finished 27th. They all finished behind Chris Busher, who <laughs> DNF'd in 21st. <laughs> just to show how awful those cars are. But Yeah, and, and, uh, and just to point out, like even that, Chris Busher finished seven laps off of the lead and DNF'd in 21st. So... Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, that's how slow these shit boxes are. Uh, in terms of cars that were running, Corey LaJoy finished 20th, and he was five laps ahead of BJ McLeod. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap it up, who is your pick to win the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas? Larson. Larson. I'm uh, going to go Kyle Busch. Yeah, I, 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 we're kind of flipping from last week, right? Like, I think you went uh, Larson, I went Kyle Busch. Yeah. But the numbers just scream Kyle Larson right now. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned he's led at least 69 laps in every single race. It's actually 70, but I, I kind of wanted to say 69 laps. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he has led more than at least 69 laps. It's true. Technically, it's correct. In every mile and a half or two mile low wear track this year. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, it's and he's starting out front. Um, he he absolutely dominated the first Kansas race, and bad luck happened. Uh, but that's that's NASCAR. Obviously, he's not guaranteed to win. But uh, I'm going to go with Larson this week. You're going to go with Kyle Busch. So we're flipping from last week, uh, and I do think this is a bit of a rebound for JGR. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very curious. You know, we've talked about wins. We've talked about prop bets, etc. Um, I do see on DraftKings this time that there is a Joe Logano versus uh, Keselowski head-to-head. Keselowski absolutely crushed at Kansas earlier this year compared to Logano. Logano 17th in average green flag speed. Keselowski 4th. I don't know if Logano ran into any issues or not. I'd have to look back at it. But just overall this year, I would still t- probably take Keselowski at minus 120 versus Logano. Um, not as much of a slam dunk there as last week if you could get him even money or longer uh for keselowski mm-hmm. but but i still don't mind that i, I want to run the model and and look at you know what happened at kansas with logano if he didn't have any issues uh, i think that's kind of a kind of a very good bet but um 
yeah, just uh, very similar to this past weekend in terms of the preview. So I guess that's why we're on a bit of a shorter episode here. But uh, yeah, that's 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 all I got. You got anything else? Nope. Other than do not overreact to what we saw at Texas. I think that's the biggest takeaway is JGR should still be very good. Mm-hmm. Penske's probably not as good as we think. Other than Blaney. That, that we saw. Other than Blaney. Blaney's a top five car. Keselowski and Legato are like Keselowski's a fringe top five. Legato's probably about 10th. So yep. um, just do not. My recommendation would be do not overreact to Texas. Um, just based on our all of our discussions today and, and you know, the numbers of, of the season in whole. Um, yes, it was surprising to see Gibbs not perform as well last week, but one race compared to the whole season. We should see them bounce back. But Kyle Larson, definitely the guy to beat. What would be – are you betting him outright at all? Uh, not where, at current lines. Would, yeah, I, I think the best is like 320. 320 is close. 320 is pushing it. I, if if I saw him 320, I might bet that. But he's 240 at DK, 250 on FanDuel. Um, I'm very curious where he'll be at something like a Circa uh, because Circa, like I said, they tend to have the sharpest lines. And I thought their lines were super sharp for this past weekend at Texas. Um, other than William Byron, which everybody discounted William Byron. Um, but mm-hmm. other than William Byron, like they had Keselowski ahead of Logano by a decent chunk, whereas other books were offering Logano less than Keselowski, uh, or at least pretty much even, but they definitely had uh, Keselowski better than Logano. Um, the one line I disagreed with them was, I should say the two lines I disagreed with them on were the two I tweeted about, which were Chase Elliott and William Byron. I thought they should be closer to like flipped and ended up being true. Uh, William Byron was just miles ahead of Chase Elliott and, and Elliott should have been lower down, especially given his Texas and Kansas or Kentucky history. But, um, you know, Kansas definitely different from Texas and Kentucky. So I think Chase Elliott should rebound here uh, as well. And Chase Elliott was sixth in average green flag speed at the first Kansas race. William Byron was seventh in average green flag speed. Of course, they were both 168.0. It was just a 078 for Elliott and a 034 for William Byron and race number one Mm -hmm. at Kansas. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I got this week. That's hopefully it's a. Hopefully it's not another crazy race. We don't see a bunch of wrecks. I didn't particularly like that, but uh, we never know what we're going to see. And then we get to talk about Martinsville next week. I'm I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to um, be a good episode, I think. Yeah. So good luck to everybody with your fantasy and betting this weekend at Kansas. And we'll see you next week with Martinsville.